Imagine building a house of cards. You take two cards from one deck and you balance them just so. Then you take another one, maybe the jack of clubs, and you lean it against the first two cards. You take still another card and you add it to the structure and you repeat the process until the entire deck is spent. Then you find another deck. And then another. By now the the house is huge. It's unruly and elaborate. But what happens if you take just one card away? Do that and the whole thing comes crashing down. Is that the way our beliefs work? Welcome to Sandbox Cooperative, episode 33, Belief in the Age of Fake News. Welcome to the Sandbox. So if you've been paying attention to the news much lately, there has been a lot of coverage about this thing called fake news. And we were wondering, what might it look like to have a podcast about that idea and what it takes for us to believe something. And as it turns out, it was a lot harder of an episode than we thought. Hard, hard work. Yeah, you know, like as it, it, as it turns out, maybe we talked for, I don't know, a couple days. We, we turned up with like three or four episodes. And episodes, I might add, that will never see the light of day. <laughs> Those are staying hidden. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, but no, it, it, was, it was hard, hard stuff to, to do. Uh, as soon as you start getting talking about belief, truth, mm. what's real, what, what's fake, uh, you end up in this swirling vortex of, I don't know, you, you're in the spin cycle and you just, it's hard to figure out which, which way is up. Yeah, and, and uh, the more that we talked about it, we realized that, that actually at the heart of this episode was, is actually part of the reason that we're doing this, this podcast and why we created Sandbox is that um, we, we do think we can, we can knock down some walls that we have between uh, ourselves and, and each other um, with curiosity and conversation. We think that um, we can have some of those difficult conversations um, that sometimes are avoided by uh, people of faith in the church. And yet, uh, and yet they're so important to have. Yeah, and, and, and that if we have them, mm-hmm. that we can actually... Uh, make a difference and, and learn from each other. Yeah, we, we avoid those conversations uh, sometimes like the plague, but maybe this is a good venue for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So with all of that in mind, today we're talking about belief in the age of fake news. How and why do we believe what we believe? And when there is so much information out there, how do we know what to trust? Yeah, there are just so many examples of fake news floating around. Sometimes, like you said, there's just so much information that it's hard to keep it all straight, especially when literally anyone can post anything on the internet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to be clear, we're, you know, we're not talking about satire sites like The Onion or The Barowitz Report. Uh, those are all about comedy, and they are amazing. And good stuff. Really good stuff. But they don't pretend to be adding to people's informed decision-making process. Right. So when we talk about fake news, we're talking about actual real news stories, but that are based on false information. So for an example, there's there's one really interesting one to me that came out of this presidential election. Um, the New York Times did a profile on it in an article called How Fake News Goes Viral. So it was the story uh, about paid protesters that were supposedly at a Trump rally in Austin, Texas. And the crazy thing to me is that it all starts from this guy who had 40 followers on Twitter who tweets, Hey guys, I found the buses. 
after doing a quick check to make sure that there are no conferences in Austin, which he was actually wrong about because uh-huh. these buses were for a conference from out of town. Um, but sooner or later, like all of this information just gets repeated and repeated and repeated to the point where it actually becomes pretty big news that there are supposedly protesters at this rally. I mean, I even heard it referenced a couple days ago on the news. Yeah. You could, could, and could you imagine being one of those people on the bus? Mind your own business. You're at a conference one day. I don't know what it's for. Maybe it's the Red Hat Lady Conference and you mind your own business. And all of a sudden, you know, they're at the center of a controversy. Yeah. Um, Um, And it had nothing to do with that. I mean, it was totally unrelated. It's just kind of crazy how that got passed through without ever being vetted. Yeah. And if it's on the internet, you know, it's true, right? Usually. Usually that's how that works. I was just reading about this guy... Well, and actually, it was pretty big news. The guy yeah. who fired a rifle in a popular Washington, D.C. pizza place as he was out to, and I, and I quote, self-investigate a conspiracy theory that Hillary Clinton was running a child sex ring from there. I'm just letting that dramatic pause yeah, let sit that there. Sink in. Just let it sink in. Hillary Clinton running a child sex ring from a pizza yeah, joint pizza in place. Washington, D.C. There are so many false stories floating around and people hold on tightly to this fake news and thoroughly believe it. They take it hook, line, and sinker with no vetting process whatsoever. Yeah, and to me, I mean, it's a crazy story, but if you're not sure what to believe to begin with, Mm -hmm. I guess I understand how you could think it was a real thing. And if it's a real thing... Uh, who can blame the guy? Oh my for- goodness! <laughs> if if it's if that's true, and Hillary was uh, running a sex ring out of a pizza joint in D.C. and nobody was doing anything to stop it, uh, it's it's go time, man. You you better right. be on that. Then but- like thank the guy for being right. in there. You're welcome. But but, yeah. but but I think what this is an example of is, is this the crazy part is that we've gone so far down the road of not trusting news sources or authorities on a given topic that. Um, we just don't, we don't even know who or what to believe. And, and I think that that impulse kind of comes from a good place. You know, we, we hear and talk a lot about transparency in government or various organizations. Um, you know, we're really concerned sometimes that information wasn't passed on, or we've heard about decisions that are being made behind closed doors. And at other times we've got events that weren't covered by the news and on occasion intentionally not reported. Both of these are really great reasons to break down the way that our media works and probably even good reasons to be skeptical of our whole system. But like that skeptical, I'm, yeah. I'm just not sure. Yeah. That seems like a little bit of a stretch. Somehow we missed it. Yeah, exactly. I just heard this uh, this story. I believe it was on, on uh, NPR. And for the purposes of this podcast, we better be sorting our, you know, <laughs> citing our sources, yeah, absolutely. right? <laughs> so I'm pretty sure it was on NPR. Uh, actually, I'm quite certain. It, it was about President Obama's visit to Cuba. And apparently, one of the most sought-after bootleg punk rock things you get your hands on after his visit was a recording of his speech. Just a recording of a speech. The Cuban government wouldn't broadcast it, and they control the media. But it became hot property because Obama didn't address the Cuban people as a president, but he talked, about, he talked to them as a community organizer. He was encouraging them to work together to make changes, even if they were small incremental changes, but to, to make some kind of change in order to move forward. Now, apparently he inspired hope and it made a difference in people's lives. So can you imagine a speech like that being locked down in the mm. United States? Right. I mean, yeah, let's... <laughs> Let's look for that. Yeah. So, so uh, um, instead, we've got 
here the rise of the internet. We've got, in a, you know, in a sense, we've democratized our access to information. And at least theoretically, we have access to all of the information in the world from our pockets. And this has changed whole industries, including the media, and allows anyone to share anything. It's broken down those those kinds of barriers, which for good and bad, right? But mm. I mean, we're recording this podcast because of that. And I like to think that that's a good thing, right? I mean, yeah. If you're still listening, maybe you do. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> exactly. But I like to think that we've stumbled on why it's hard to know what to trust. We're talking in extremes. It's the ultimate gatekeeper. It's a dictatorship with a, a government-controlled media. It's Cuba. It's Russia. It's the ultimate gate- gatekeeper, right? Or it's no gatekeeper democratized media through the internet. And right now, we might be moving a little too far toward not having a gatekeeper. Is there such a thing as a happy medium? Is that even a necessary thing, or is it even desirable? I I hope there's such a thing as a happy medium, because, I mean, in general, and I I tend to be in favor of, like, break down the the structure that's holding people from being able to do the thing that they want to do or share the insight that they have, but... Um, and so in general, I think the ways we've found to get around the gatekeepers and decision makers is helpful, but mm. all of these initially good things have led us to trusting sources of information that aren't checked in any way. So I think we got here from some sort of legitimate concern, this desire to clear a path toward real in- information. And I think we've made it so we don't or can't trust anything at all. Right. And, and no gatekeepers has led us to a place where we have to process endless information. There's so much coming at us all the time, and we have to vet everything because everything just might be suspect. So what do we do with the stories that we see? Is there a good way to figure out if something's true or not? I mean, it seems like people often think that whenever a meme shows up on their Facebook feed, it's true. You know, like all those Abraham Lincoln quotes about the internet. Right. You know, and Lincoln clearly said 85% of quotes on the internet are made up. Yeah, that's, I think it's real. <laughs> that's what he said. So here's one way that we might be able to think about it. Minnesota Public Radio gave some helpful hints for vetting information that's shared online. We will link this article in, the, in our show's description, but here's what they said. Number one, pay attention to the URL. Established organizations typically own their domains, and they have a standardized look. The sites that end in .com, .co, on the other hand, those are suspicious. For example, abcnews.com, that's legit. abcnews.com.co, that's a fake news website. Number two, read the about us section. If it's overblown and dramatic and over the top, should raise some eyebrows as well as a bunch of suspicions. Number three, look at the quotes. Who said them? Check the quotes. Are there any quotes at all? Make sure Abe Lincoln is not talking about the internet. (laughs) Number four, check the comments. Are people calling out this source for being fake or misleading? Number five, reverse image search. If the story has an image attached, right-click the image and select search Google for it. If the picture shows up on a lot of unrelated stories, it could be fake news. Again, These are all some pretty basic ways for checking your source. Be suspicious. There's a lot of good stuff out there. There's also just a metric ton of crap. (laughs) Be careful and choose wisely. Uh, Yeah, that's that's really good advice. You know, I think some basic just 
obvious self-checking would, would do a lot of good. I read an article a while ago about how a huge number of people share an article without even reading it. Um, and because I did re- happen to read that article, I know that the study suggested that <laughs> six in 10 people will share a link without reading it. It just goes to show that if we did a little bit of our own investigating before taking something as truth, we might just be a little better off. Yes. Uh, all of these quotes that are made up, all of these stories that are made up, just scratch a little under the surface and, and you're going to see something that, that might be very revealing about what you're actually looking at. Yeah. And the other thing that, about just being a little bit skeptical and just kind of not taking it at, at, at first pass, uh, I took a course in college called Science for Society. And uh, one of the- Science for Society? Science for Society. Science for Society. Yeah. So that- rocks for jocks is that i mean what what's really yeah that was the uh hey you need a science credit so let's uh, get this (laughs) done real quick but yeah i took geometry and society there you go um but uh so one of the actually it was really good though one of the main ideas presented in this class was that news stories written about science aren't the same as peer-reviewed scientific journals and just understanding that difference and with that sometimes stories take a little bit of deciphering before before we know exactly what to do with them and Honestly, sometimes the author of an article can just interpret a study incorrectly. And I'm in no way a scientist by trade, but um, in this class, I did learn some basic ways to make sense of these kinds of stories. So understanding the difference between correlation and causation, or like just remembering that one study uh, and one scientific understanding uh, in in a particular case doesn't necessarily represent the whole truth on an issue. And there are all different kinds of ways of, of getting at the truth of something. In science, it might work one way, but another way of checking a story or an idea is to run it by your community. Mm. It's one of the things that a community is best at. It's one of the, I would say, the core functions of a community. I could have an idea as a leader of a faith community that I'm getting, I don't know, divine guidance from my neighbor's cat. And I, that could be a really big thing for me. And Dave, I could we've, have... we've talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm saying it into a microphone. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I'm like, I, I could get some kind of far-flung idea. I could bring it back to the community and they would check me on it. Uh, and, and I hope that they would or whatever the thing is. And, and wherever there might be truth in the thing that I'm bringing, maybe they can help bring that to the surface and the other stuff, let, let it go away. But I think core to community is is helping us vet ideas Mm -hmm. yeah so definitely a good way to to make sure that you have the right idea on something is to check with your community but unfortunately just because the majority of people think something it doesn't always mean that it's true or the best idea and sometimes entire groups of people have an idea wrong and it's not actually clear what the best idea is and Occasionally, we're part of those groups. Oh, absolutely. Again, it's, it's not an all-or-nothing thing. It takes all of these different ways of getting at, at the idea, getting at the core. We've talked about this before in a few episodes, but without realizing it, a lot of us have been living in one giant echo chamber. Yeah, and in the weeks since the, since the presidential election, we've just heard this idea again and again that people of all political persuasions have lived really without connection to those on the other side of all sorts of issues. And we do need to hear voices that are different from ours. It's important for sure. But one of the things that might make it hard to work together and learn from each other goes back to where we started this whole episode. It's the image of the house of cards. We are afraid of the whole thing falling apart. Yeah, and that fear drives a ton of our isolation from people who see things differently. But 
I, I don't believe that if I learn something new that I'm suddenly wrong about the whole picture. I mean, mm-hmm. I think if I learn something about the world from a, a person of a different faith tradition, for example, it doesn't mean that I have to abandon my own tradition. Yeah. In fact, it might make my tradition more important to me. It won't, rather than making the whole house of cards fall down, it's actually going to make it, make it stronger. We don't need to pit ourselves against others, and we don't need to be fearful that the whole thing comes crashing down. We all have different experiences, and each of us has something unique to share with those around us. So to really check something out means taking it on purpose across the bounds of our own communities. In a world where anyone can post anything and fake news is often front and center, sometimes we need to get outside our echo chamber. And to be honest, I'm not sure how to do that. I don't necessarily know that Mm -hmm. I have the answer, especially when it comes to social media and the internet. At some very basic level, it probably comes down to the most time-tested thing on the books. It's building relationships. Get to know your neighbors. Be curious. I think about the people we've connected with on this podcast, people who make up the Sandbox community, people like Regina Mustafa, who on our last episode taught us about her Islamic faith. We've had evangelical Christians, secular progressives, a physician, a libertarian lawyer, poets, a faithful scientist, and so much more. Hopefully this diverse crowd gives us a lifeline outside our natural bubbles, outside of our echo chambers. And they help us look at the news of our day with a critical eye and and maybe a, a better informed eye. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we've learned through so many of these conversations that a good place to start might just be that honest conversation. And and I I think by that, we mean conversations that start with trust and respect. You know, it reminds me of, of something that I, that I heard on election night. Um, Van Jones said it, he's, he's kind of a a new guy in in my ear, but um, it said something that just really struck me that evening. I remember watching the results come in and toward the end of the night, he had this to say, where's the grace going to come from? Where, where, where's the understanding? Where's the empathy going to come from? It's going to have to come from ordinary people. We, to, tomorrow at work, when we go and, and look, look at people who we don't agree with, this can't be the interaction. And I'm telling you what, if, if we can't begin to treat each other in a more human way, this thing is going to go from bad to horrible. If we can't begin to treat each other in a more human way, this thing is going to go from bad to horrible. It's hard to know what to believe sometimes, but if there's one thing we know in the age of fake news, it's that we can't leave ourselves in such opposition to one another that we can't actually talk with and learn from each other. Maybe we are those ordinary people. There is a scene in the Bible where the friends of Jesus encounter some strangers who are casting out demons in the name of Jesus. Okay, the demon thing. That's weird. I get it. But work with me here. The idea is that these random strangers who Jesus' friends never met, who are completely foreign and strange to them, they are trying to help people make life better and to heal in the name of Jesus. So naturally, the friends of Jesus tried to put the kibosh on all of it. They tried to stop these strangers from helping other people because they were not an official part of their special club. At this point, Jesus goes full face palm, rolls his eyes and says, and I do quote, do not stop them. If they are not against us, they are for us. Jesus was trying to bring something that was beautiful and good into the world. He welcomed all who were looking to do the same. You might not know one another. You might be different 
from one another, be from different countries or different faiths, different parts of town. But if you are working toward bringing more beauty, more life, and more light into the world, then go for it. But don't do that in a bubble. Don't do that in isolation. Build connections. Share with those who are different. Why? Because we have so much to learn and we have so much work to do. And if they're not against us, they're for us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. Next up, we'll be talking about tradition and then have a quick break during the holidays. We'll be back on schedule in mid-January with an interview with New York Times bestseller Rob Bell. And we can't wait to share that episode with you. If you want to stay in touch with us, sign up for our email updates via our website, connect with us through Facebook and Twitter, and be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. And most importantly, share this podcast with someone who might like it. There's always more room in the sandbox. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.